proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest co-host is Cupcake, so if you hear her talking, um, she'll try to ask as many questions as she can, but she may not say much. Right, Cupcake? My guest tonight um, wrote a book that I'm absolutely fell in love with because it reminded me so much of myself. The bookish life of Nina Hill is absolutely a book nerd's delight. Let me tell you a little bit about Abby before we get going. Um, She was born in England and is the oldest child of two copywriters who really should never have been together um, in the first place. Her her dad went out for cigarettes one day and never came back, and her mom became a highly successful um, uh, writer of crime fiction. Uh, She encouraged Abby and her sister to read anything and everything, which I absolutely love anything they could rip down from the shelves. And so they did. Um, She claims she's naturally lazy and disinclined to dress up. I don't believe that, but she went into advertising and worked as a copy editor and then a creative director until she finally quit to have children and start writing books, TV shows, and screenplays. Uh, Abby lives in Los Angeles. This is my favorite line of her bio. With her husband, three kids, three dogs, three cats, a gecko, two mice, and six chickens. She says every one of these additions made sense at the time. It's only in retrospect that it seems foolhardy. I am thrilled to welcome Abby Waxman to the show. Hi, Abby. Welcome to Authors on the Air. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, I love your story. Your your bio is so cute and so funny. But mostly I'm so impressed with the fact that your mom encouraged you and your sister to read anything and everything and that you did. Um, I, I guess that was because of her inclination as a copywriter and a writer herself, do you think? I think so. I think she also was hoping that maybe we'd get engrossed in something and give her a moment's peace um, <laughs> to get on with her own work. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, there was always, whenever we expressed any interest in anything, she would say, she would think for a moment, and she'd say, I think I have a book on that. And she would, because she just was one of those people who just, you know, was interested in everything, everything and very curious about every aspect of the world. And so she would buy a book on whatever it was. And so if I was like, oh, I want to be an ice skate, she's like, I'd have a book on that. Well, I want to re- restore furniture. I have a book on that. So it was, yeah, we, we learned very early that pretty much you can find a book on anything. Did you enjoy reading, even though you were encouraged to do so? Was it fun for you to read? Yeah. I always loved it. I always loved it. It was, we we just, I don't know, I started reading very young. And basically, if I was, whatever I was doing, if my mother was like, what's up? I'd be like, I'm reading. Then she would leave me in peace. Like, it didn't matter what else was going on if I was reading a book she was happy and she would let me get on with it so I spent many many happy hours as a child engrossed in you know the Oz books and then the Nancy Drew books and then gradually you know as I got older reading all the murder mysteries and golden age mysteries that are still my favorite to this day 
Who, tell me some of your favorites. Ooh, I'm a big Nero Wolf fan. Who's a writer who's wrecked yep. out, and I'm sure you know. So I love him. I love yes. Agatha Christie, Patricia oh, Wentworth, yes. Marsh, Dorothy Sayers, like all of that sort of golden age. Um, yes, I love them. Love them. That's I still my I start. Reading, reading I think history. I Agatha Christie is really what started me on. I, I used to read the same books as I, when I was younger, but I also did not realize that. Agatha Christie has something like 110 books. I'm not sure. And I, I used to go to a bookstore when I was working one of my first jobs, and they had all her books on one of those little spinning racks because they were small. And um, I thought that I had to read them all in order. And so I got a list of all her books and would go into that little bookstore and hand the proprietor the list, and he'd hand me the book, and I'd go back the next day and buy another one. And after a while... He said, Pam, why don't you just take the book and bring it back? You, you read so fast that it doesn't matter. And so that's really what got me addicted to reading. Uh, my mom was a big reader, too. So, you know, God bless moms being the influencers for reading. And I mean dads, too. Um, I, I'm fascinated <laughs> about all your pets. Now, we were speaking earlier in the green room, and you said there was a reason for all of them at the time. So let's start out. You, you've got three kids. You've got three dogs, three cats, a gecko, two mice, and, and six chickens. How did all these occur? <laughs> How did these come about? But it all seemed very sensible. It's, it's to the children, really, you know, the ones who, who are causing the problem, because they'll be like, oh, I want a gecko, and it seems like a reasonable request. And so you get a gecko. And then, you, you know, they're like, oh, I need, I'd like a mouse. And so you get a mouse. Although the first mouse was actually a rescue. We used to have a snake. And, you know, you feed a snake baby mice. And one of them was intercepted and um, suddenly turned into an actual pet. So I'm not quite sure how that happened. But, um, yeah, like I said, it all made sense. And then the dogs, you know, basically one kid would we'd get a dog and one kid would claim the dog as their own. And then the other kids would be like, well, where's my dog? And as I love cats and dogs and animals of all kinds, um, I was always saying yes, but my husband has now cut me off. He says if, I, if there's any more biomass added to the house, he's going to divorce <laughs> me. So I have to stop. Uh, how, did the, how did the chickens come into play? <laughs> well, that was me. I, I've always wanted chickens. We've had them for a really long time now. But when we lived up in Berkeley, California, and uh, they were a birthday present, oh, gosh, a while ago now, probably my maybe even my 35th, I'm nearly 50. So we've had chickens, obviously not the same chicken, um, ever since. They're just really interesting to watch, and they make amazingly funny noises, and they deliver eggs every day, and, yeah, they're great. They destroy your garden. Well, that means that's, that's, a, that's, that's a bonus if they're giving you eggs. So, you know, that's a nice yeah. thing. Um, yeah, so are, are you the caregiver for all the animals now? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> usually that's how it happens, job. right? <laughs> yeah, which I don't mind. Not, they're much, much easier to deal with than the kids. So than the kids. <laughs> I want to talk about the bookish life of Nina Hill. This book I just so related to in so many different ways. Um, I want to ask you, I, I, you know, I know that writers get their inspiration from different things, but this is a really quirky, funny little book. Um, when you sit down to write, do you start off with a character or do you have a storyline in mind that you build around? I always start with the character. Um, that's, uh, although in, the, in these th the 
first three books that I've written, they're all set in the same location as well. So it's a combination of a character and a setting. And in mm -hmm. the case of Lina, she was inspired by all the girls I met when I was touring bookstores last year to promote my previous book. And uh -huh. all these young women working in these bookstores all up and down the West Coast, and they were really fun, and they were really, really smart and cool, and they loved books. And I just kind of fell in love with all of them and decided that it was time they got their own book. And so I wrote about her. And we have a, a fantastic independent bookstore on Larchmont, which is called Chevalier's which is obviously uh -huh. very thinly disguised as knights in the book. And that is a uh -huh. real place. And, and I appreciate having, you know, it's a real luxury to have an independent bookstore uh, within walking yes. distance. And so yes. I wanted to celebrate that and all the other great bookstores that there are around. Uh, when we were talking in the green room, I mentioned to you that I could relate so much to just living in books uh, because I love to read so much. But also, um, you you threw me for a loop when you did the trivia thing, because as I said, um, I, I used to do a trivia night with my brother and his freakishly intelligent, brilliant buddy from his law firm, and so I totally related to it. What I did not expect was the fact that she suddenly finds out she has all these sisters and brothers and nieces and nephews. And, you know, it, it was so funny that she was freaked out about it because she's happy in her kind of loner world. Um, where did that story come from? Because it's a lot of fun to read about it and her the horror that she experiences. Yes, yeah, she really, she is, had always considered herself the only child of a single mother. And so, and she was totally fine with that. I mean, I really like to write characters who are basically happy in their own skin. I think they're just more interesting people to read about. She's not perfect. She suffers from anxiety. She's kind of super, super introverted. She's very shy. She's anal about planning every last minute. She's not perfect, <laughs> but she's content with herself. And yes. I find that appealing. And then she discovers that her, her father, who she never knew, died and has left her this vast extended family, all of whom are very excited to meet her, which as an introvert and someone who gets socially anxious is horrifying to her. Um, and originally that was inspired by a true story, which is a very good friend of mine, another writer. Um, her son is older than his uncle because her father married when he was young and had her and then married late in life and had a second family. And so the fact that her kid is older than his uncle always struck me as both funny and interesting. So yep. I wanted to write about someone who, a man who had been married many times. He's married three or four times and had family, had children every time. And so they range in age from 60s all the way down to nine, just because that's what can happen if you do, if you marry at yep. 18 and then you marry again at 60. Um, that's, that's what right. happens. So, that's, um, so that was always interesting to me. And so I, thought, I decided to combine all of these ideas together. And then you tossed in an, a budding little romance as well. And so it, to me, the, the, it's the perfect book as far as I'm concerned. Um, let's talk about your writing. Um, you obviously grew up around writers and were destined to become one. Is your sister also a writer or involved in the creative arts in any way? She is not. She is the black sheep of the family. And she oh is goodness. a partner in a big corporate insurance firm. Um, she's actually a very, very good writer. She just doesn't, um, she doesn't, it doesn't seem to appeal to her as a lifestyle, but she's certainly very talented, possibly the most talented of all of us, but she will, she will deny it. Um, and she, yeah, she, she has a big, proper, serious grown-up career 
where she has to wear proper clothes and suits and travel and things. Yeah, we're all pretty amazed with her, really. <laughs> and it's totally the opposite of the way you live your life, right? Yeah, pretty much. I'm in my jammies 24-7. And uh, if I basically, whenever I get dressed, I get dressed in the grown-up outside version of jammies, you know, like jeans and a hoodie or like sweatpants. Right. I don't like to dress up. It's really true. You can believe it. I really don't like to dress up. So, No, uh, I understand I like- that. I understand that, too. Um, do your children know that you're a USA Today bestselling author? Uh, they do, but they couldn't care less. So they're really? all teenagers, and they are oh, well, deeply, deeply unimpressed. Deeply yeah. unimpressed by everything I do, um, but that's fine. No, they're actually very sweet and encouraging about it. But you know, and they're very happy for me, and they know that I love I love my work and you know enjoy it. But they are teenagers, so they really are more well, concerned with what's in front of them. With yeah, I was going to say teenagers. That kind of says it all. That's kind of a species unto its own uh, okay. for a while. Are any are any of your children creative by any chance? Yes, they're all they're all actually pretty creative in different ways. The oldest one is an, is a visual artist, and wow. the middle one um, and the younger one are both pretty good writers. And the youngest one is the one I think is going to be a writer because she she just writes and writes and writes and writes and writes. So she may she and may be the one. How wonderful. You know, it's the, your DNA is definitely appearing then. That's a wonderful thing. Um, let's yeah, talk about, you, you had corporate jobs for a while that you hated. And um, as a matter of fact, you're, you're, you're pretty explicit. Some of the companies that you work for uh, going so far as to call them morally corrupt and, and larcenous, <laughs> which. Yes. Well, I mean, I, so worked, I worked in advertising. So, I mean, right. I wrote their advertising rather than working for them directly. But yes, uh-huh. I worked on the Enron account. That was fun. Uh, I worked on the RJ Reynolds account, also fun. So yeah, it's uh, but advertising is a great um, training ground for a writer. It's a really good place. Tell to me practice. why. So tell me why because that people, is. Because you have to write fast, and you have to get used to deadlines, and you have to write in you know many many different voices and from many different points of view, and then periodically people crap all over your work and tell you that it's terrible. So it's very mm-hmm. good practice developing a thick skin and, you know, being somewhat dispassionate about your work. Even though you care about it a lot, you, you know, I don't get, my feelings don't get ruffled. If the editor comes back and it's like, ah, this part isn't, so, isn't working for me, I don't, I'm not like, what? I'm just like, okay, let's redo it. It's, it's, so, yeah, it's a very good practice for being professional. I, well, I would also matter, imagine that you tell, have to tell a story in a limited amount of time if you're creating ads, whether it's print or visual or, or audio ads. I, you're telling a story kind of on a limited time. So that probably yeah. helps in, in, super good in your writing. Super good technically. Yeah, technically it's super good practice. Like you basically yeah. have to engage someone tell a story and then ask them to do something all in a matter of, you know, two or three sentences. And so you get very good at working out literally what individual words are going to matter. And it's, yeah, it's very, very good training. And also you just spend hours and hours and hours writing. So it's just, it's just very excellent practice. I heartily recommend it to anyone who wants to write books. Do that for 10 years and uh, it's fine. And then if you have a mind left, you go and write books, right? If you haven't, haven't uh, lost it. Um, was The Garden of Small Beginnings your first book? It was the first published book, yeah. First published book. Um, where is your first book? Um, the first book I ever 
finished is I don't even know where it is. I think it it um I think it doesn't exist anywhere. I think I actually wrote it on a very old computer and it was lost, which is good and probably correct. And then the second book I wrote was better, but still not quite there. And then the third book I wrote was Garden of Small Beginnings. And then in between, I was a ghost writer. So I wrote a, a book for oh. someone else. Someone so big? Do we, would I, wouldn't uh, we know no, the name? You might, but you don't, I, I'm, I you don't, you don't have to say. No, I know you can't say. Um, interesting. And so, so did you like ghostwriting? Yeah. I, I mean, I like writing, um, period. And then writing and getting paid to do it is, you know, a complete boondoggle, right? Like it's the greatest right. thing ever. Since I've right. been doing it my whole life for free, then getting paid for it is really an amazing treat and a luxury. Um, and a blessing. So uh, yeah, so I liked I liked doing it, and it was very quick. I had six weeks to write a book for her, and I, you know, it was good, good practice. Very How good practice. does one ghostwrite? What is the process of ghostwriting for for someone? So what usually happens is that someone who has a, a celebrity of some kind will be approached by a publisher, and sometimes those celebrities do actually write their own book, but more often than not, they either work with another writer or they hire another writer to do the actual writing, especially in this case mm-hmm. because it was fiction. You know, mm-hmm. there's, um, you know, sort of, there's celebrity books that are about the celebrity themselves, and then there are books, fictional books written by celebrities. And in this case, it was fiction. And so the publisher approached her, then the publisher approached my agent, my agent approached me, and Bob's your uncle. Wow. So um, do you get an outline, or do you have to you know, create a story on your own? How, how does that work creatively? Well, we met, the, the, this girl and I met for about half an hour or so, and she said, I have this idea about this girl who has everything, and then she loses everything, and then she moves to New Orleans, and that's it. So that was sort of the, that was the instruction that I got. And then I went away and wrote a story, you know, wrote a novel. Uh, very, so by the way, how did how well did it do? I think it did fine. I think it did fine, and she was happy, and the publisher was happy, and I was happy, and yeah, it was all good. I don't, she how didn't fun. continue writing more books. But that was, one was enough for her. So, you know, but she went on TV and talked about her process, so that was fun. Oh my goodness, that's interesting. Um, Other people's houses was your second published book, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, let's talk about that book because I really I like the I like the book jacket for that one. It's interesting to me. Tell us the story of other people's houses. So other people's houses. So the first one, all three books are set in Larchmont, this neighborhood that is the one I mm-hmm. actually live in in LA. Functions like a little village in the middle of a large city. Um, mm-hmm. And other people's houses is about basically a group of families who know each other because they're neighbors and because their children are friends and they couple their kids together to school. So I was interested in the time, at, in the kind of friendships that you make when your kids are friends with someone. And so you mm-hmm. get to know their parents or you get to know other parents at your preschool or your elementary school and you know them quite well and you become quite close and then the kids move to another school and you're no longer friends with them, right? So I'm just fascinated in these kinds of temporary friendships. Um, and neighbors, I feel like you get to know a certain amount about them, but you never necessarily know them really well until you move into real friendship. So 
in the book, what happens is that this group of people who feel that they know each other quite well, one of the mothers has an affair and destroys her family. And in doing so, sort of the, the drama from that ripples through this entire group and everybody is forced to sort of reevaluate their, their marriage, their family, you know, whatever. And then the main, the main character tries to hold everything together because that's what she's like. And it's, and it's funny. It doesn't sound funny when I describe it. It sounds really depressing. But I promise you, it is funny, and um, it work, all works out in the end. Well, I just went to NetGalley and bought it, so there. Oh, um, <laughs> good. I hope you like it. I have a feeling I'm going to. I really do. Now, you have also, you have, some of your books are published in German. And you have one, yes. do you have one in Italian also? Yes, the first one got sold in a lot of countries in Europe, which was really fun. Um, yes, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, uh, Norway, Latvia, they love me in Latvia, um, the Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. Like it, it, went, it went bonkers. But that's because first books, you know, they're willing to take a chance. The second book sold and didn't even sell in England, so there you go. And then this third one, is selling in more countries again. We just sold Nina to Russia, for example, strangely. How that's fascinating to me that that books get you know sold to other countries. Uh, is there a great um, a great desire to read uh, books that are published by Americans or, in your case, Brits in other countries? Um, I think I think it just varies from country to country, and I think it depends on how robust their own you know publishing world uh, is. I mean, obviously, in England, they publish far more books by English writers than they do by Americans. But yes. because it's, you know, and, and for example, we don't publish many books by Japanese writers, or at least you'll discover there was that book. Did you read Convenience Store Woman that came out this year? I can't remember the writer's no. name. Anyway, so, so she, that book came out. I read it. It's wonderful. And then I realized she's written many, many other books that just haven't been translated into English. You know, and ah. so you realize that there are writers who are fantastic writers who we're never going to get to hear about simply because they haven't been translated into our language. Um, it's interesting. Yes, I, I, I follow an author whose whose book was is translated works, and I really like her book a lot. It's kind of mm-hmm. crime fictiony with a twist. Um, it's a bunch of mi- misfits in a in a British uh, uh, police department, and, and I and they're like the ones that nobody wants to work with. They've had all these problems and everything. So I like translated works. It's hard to find them though, to find really good yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think Interesting. It's, it's a whole different skill. Translate, you know, translation is an additional skill, right? The, the people who can translate sure. fiction and capture the, the original meaning and still, you know, it's, that's a whole different, that's a huge skill. So Abby, are, when you're in between writing books, are you reading yourself for pleasure yes although i am at the moment at least fortunately very rarely between like i I just handed in the next one and i'm about to start edits on that and that one comes out next year and then i'm ready to start the one after that the next book i try not to be between for very long um but yeah and i tend to read i don't tend to read my own genre when i'm certainly not when i'm actually writing because i'm worried i'm going to steal all the best lines or that I'm just going to become so depressed that the that book is so fantastic that I can't as I might as well quit um, so I tend to go back to crime fiction you know that's just my happy place 
Um, Who do you so like I'll to read in crime fiction? Are you still reading the, the older writers? Yeah. Or have you gone yeah, through all of them? No, I, I read and reread the Nero Wolf literally all the time. Like I usually have one going. And then um, then I've been dis- I rediscovered or discovered Robert Cray, who is, you know, is Big Durin's a really famous crime writer, who I, for some reason I had never heard of. I've discovered his books lately, so I've been plowing through those. Um, uh, yeah, Robert Cray for Elvis yeah. and Joe Pike? Oh, my God. Exactly. I love his books. The new one is so yeah, spectacular. It's a Joe Pike book, so mm-hmm. I loved it. Yes, oh, it's right. wonderful. We'll get the new one. I'm sort yeah, of, I like fabulous. to start at the beginning and read them in order because I'm always worried that there's something important that I'll miss. So, I've, yeah, I tend to, if I find a writer I like, I go back to the beginning See? and start reading I did reading the same them. thing. I yeah, did the same I like thing. What, yep. if, what if something important happens? You know, I need to know. Uh, you know I don't so. know. It's a little twist that you want to know about, a quirk you want to know about that person's character. Um, I did that with um, with um, uh, President Child when I got introduced to their Pendergast character, which is like their second oh. book in, I think. I had to go back. I went to the used bookstore and bought every single book in the series, and I had to start from the beginning before I'd read any more books because it's so layered. The The books are so layered and so nuanced, and there's always new characters and old characters coming into the new stories. I want to know about them. So it's it's yeah. kind of my my kink on reading books, series books anyway. Um, I'm the same way. I like to read them in order. Tell people where we can find you on the webs and social media, please. So my website is abbywaxman.com in a unsurprising choice of URL. And then I'm on Instagram. I don't go on Twitter because it makes me annoyed. So um, <laughs> but you can find me on, on Instagram. It's just abbywaxman. So and, and do you, you Facebook? Do you no, Facebook I don't really all? do Facebook. Um, I basically do Instagram and regular email and try and stay off the Internet as much as possible just because I spend too much money and too much time you know, farting around online. It's too, it's too fun. But you can be disciplined about it. Can you give us a hint about the title or the content of your next book? Sure. The next, the next one, um, the working title has been the itinerary, but I think we're going to change that. It's about a mother and a teenage daughter going on a college tour um, on the East Coast. And one of these organized tours where you go from college to college to college. Yes. And about how their relationship changes over the course of the the week and what they discover about each other. And I hope it's funny. That's always the goal. And, uh, yes, and, and that one will be out ne- early next summer. I hope you come back to Authors on the Air and so we can talk about your your next book. Um, thank you so much for being with me tonight. I've just enjoyed talking to you. Really funny. And, you know, it's been a week of, of vet care for my cats, and I needed funny tonight. Thank you, Abby Waxman. The book is called The Bookish Life of Nina Hill. I highly recommend this book. It's absolutely delightful. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you, Abby. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Thank you. Get better. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening, everybody. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. 